Have you ever had the experience where everything you read, the books you read, the sermons you hear, the scriptures that you read or the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, and what you're seeing in God's people around the world, all are kind of saying the same thing. It may not be something that's new. In fact, it may be even 2,000 years old. But God is showing it to you now. He's chosen this time to open your eyes to this revelation. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to the children. Now I... Holy cow, now I don't have anybody to talk to. That is awesome. That's awesome. Well, that's been happening to me for the last few months. In Psalms 25, David prays in Psalms 25, 4 and 5, Lord, direct me throughout my journey. So I can experience your plans for my life. Reveal the life path that you that are pleasing to you. Escort me along the way. Take me by the hand and teach me. For you are the God of my increasing salvation. I have wrapped my heart into yours. And then down in verse 14, he makes this statement. There is a private place reserved for the lovers of God where they sit near Him and receive the revelation secrets of His promise. In Revelation 1, 9 and 10, we find John... He's on the Isle of Patmos. It's the Lord's Day. And he's having church all by himself. You know, he's, he's probably singing Exodus and Rattle. Worshipping like crazy. Dancing around. Have you ever thought... Do you, do you realize John, according to history was dipped in boiling oil and they tried to kill him but they didn't kill him. So instead they put him out there on this island where he couldn't do a whole lot anymore because he was just disrupting the government winning so many people to Christ. Huh? So he wrote Revelation. So he's there and he's having this wonderful praise and worship time with the Lord. And what happens? Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. And in Revelation 4.1, John receives this invitation. And he says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, 
Come up here, and I will show you things that must take place after this. Almost everything that I have been reading, hearing, and seeing lately has to do with this call to come up. Come up. Let's reread one of the couple of these scriptures again. Psalms 25:14. There is a private place reserved for the lovers of God. How many here are lovers of God? If you're a lover of God, stand up. You know, too many times we 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 have a tendency just to sit the whole time in church. Maybe we need to move a little bit. See, you're all lovers of God. You can sit back down. You have a private place reserved where you can sit by Jesus Christ and He will reveal the secrets of His promises to you. You have that place. It's yours. You're a lover of God. In Revelation 1, 19, Jesus tells John to write about three things. He says, the things that you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. You know what? God is constantly calling people to come up so that He can reveal things about Himself and about His kingdom. In Genesis 28, we find the story of Jacob. And Jacob is running away because he thinks his brother's going to kill him because he stole his birthright from him. And he's running. And he gets to this place. He hardly has anything with him because he took off. Took off. And he doesn't have anything. He doesn't have any blankets. He doesn't have any, that sounds like he doesn't have any food. He doesn't have hardly anything. And he gets to this place and he's all tired out and he lays down and he takes and puts a stone under his head for a pillow. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I like a firm pillow. But I think the stone's a little bit much. A little bit much. But no, he takes a stone and he puts it under his head as a pillow. And he goes to sleep and he has a dream. And in this dream, a ladder is coming down from heaven and angels are going up and down. And at the top of the ladder, we find Jesus. And he makes the same promise to Jacob as he had to Abraham and Isaac. The promise that he would bless his descendants. And the next morning, Jacob, when he wakes up, he takes the stone and he sets it up as an altar unto Jesus, unto God. And at the end of 
the story. Jacob made a vow. He says, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I can return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. And don't worry, I'm not going to preach on tithing. In his book, The Battle of Altars, Dr. Francis Miles refers to altars as landing strips for spiritual beings both good and evil. And depending on the altar you are worshiping at will depend on what spiritual beings are showing up and dealing with you in your life. What altar are you worshiping at today? You know, the altar of greed the altar of lust, the altar of whatever the case may be. There's thousands of altars that we can worship at. But the altar we need to be worshiping at is the altar of Jesus Christ and His blood and His love. I believe that we are moving into a new era. We are moving from what I call the church era to the kingdom era. You see, back at the beginning of the church, they lived in a kingdom mentality. And then when Constantine came along in, I think it's around 360-something, somewhere in there, he stuffed us all in a building, put some guy at the front of it, and we began what I call the church era. We became church dwellers, pew dwellers. And throughout history, we forgot the power of kingdom living. And so we've, I see we're moving into what I call a kingdom era. And by that I mean that the move of the Holy Spirit that has moved here at this place or over there at that place is now getting ready to move globally. Not in buildings, but in you. In you. You know, uh, on Good Friday, who was it that was talking? The black, the big black guy. Huh? Yeah. Pastor 
was talking about the fact that we need to live life face-to-face. Our ministry is face-to-face. And that's what God's about ready to do. He's about ready to move us into this place that wasn't Good Friday. Okay. Oh, the worship that was at the worship thing. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was at the worship. We had the worship uh, for every everybody. But anyway, he talked about how we were gonna. We need to minister face to face. That is what kingdom life is about. It's ministering face-to-face, one-on-one with each other. And God is awakening His bride to live with Him in a manner so that He can reveal what needs to be said to that person in front of you. It's an era where the impossible will become the normal. The impossible will become the normal. We, God's kings and priests, will follow the plan of our righteous king. Where justice begins to flow from a heart that is committed to God's heart. See, if we are not committed to God's heart, you're not going to see the miraculous happen. The impossible becomes the possible when we connect with God's heart. When we connect with God's heart. In Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, God says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. I read that and I remembered the the sister who says, Remember where you're going. Spring field. Spring field. It's going to spring forth. Again, in Psalms 25, 14, I, I, I got to come back to this Scripture. We are told there's a private place reserved. A private place reserved for the lovers of God where they sit near Him and receive the revelation secrets of His promise. That's what I'm talking about. He wants you to sit by Him and receive the revelation so that you can minister to that person that's right in front of you. He will reveal the secrets of His promises that need to be spoken to that person. He might tell you something about their life that is unpleasant, but it's not so that you can accuse them of all of the wrong they've done. It's so that you can show that God is speaking. That God is speaking. I believe that around the world today, God is calling His people to come up so that they can show, so that He can show you the things that are to come. 
You know, in uh, Daniel and Revelation both, Jesus told them both that some of what he showed them they couldn't talk about. Don't put it, don't write it down. I don't want people to know yet. It's not for now. God is revealing those things today that he left out for John and Daniel. He's beginning to show those things to people who get close to him. Many times we think about the things that are to come. We think about the rapture or the battle of Armageddon or the tribulation or the mark of the beast. And you know what? God might show you something about those things. But here's what I can tell you. If He does show you something about them, it has nothing to do with how bad they are. It has to do with showing you His power and His love. That's what He's showing you. I can guarantee you that that will be what happens. It won't have anything to do with all of the turmoil and stuff that is coming. It's coming whether we like it or not because it's in the book. So just get ready for it and be a child of God and be a part and live in the kingdom. Just like she said earlier, what do we need to be afraid of? God is building a kingdom that the gates of hell cannot stop. He's building a kingdom and He's calling His people to come up so they can see how to walk through the enemy's camp and take back everything that the enemy has stole from them. See, when you're up where God is, you can see down to what's going on. If you stay down here, you can't see what's going on up there. And the battle is up there. It's a spiritual battle that's being raged. Yes, it does involve our flesh. But it's a spiritual battle. And around the world today, they are, there are those who are positioning selves to rest their heads on Jesus' chest. And they're opening up heaven and establishing stairways to the throne room of God into the very courts of heaven. In John 13, 23, I believe we're given a little insight on how to get heaven open. And it's simply this. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of His disciples who Jesus loved. You do guys realize that I hope that John wrote that himself. John is who's declaring that he's the disciple who Jesus loved. You know that? He's not bragging. He's not bragging here, people. He's making a declaration. And we need to make that declaration. I'm the believer who Jesus loves. Hey, 
Dan's the believer who Jesus loves. Just say your name and say, I am the one who Jesus loves. That's right. John had a relationship unlike any of the other disciples. John declared himself to be the disciple Jesus loved. But it was not only that Jesus loved John. John loved Jesus so much that he could not get close enough. It is this type of closeness that allows us to have our eyes open to the fact that we are seated with Jesus on His throne. Ephesians 2, 4, and 7, But God who is rich in mercy... Because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We are able to walk with Christ in heavenly places. This is what the Holy Spirit is awakening, I believe, is awakening believers around the world to today. Living with God in the throne room. Fighting our battles in the courtroom of heaven and not fighting them in the flesh here on earth, but in the Spirit. Miracles, miracles are possible in heavenly places. God's plan. God's plan has always been for us to taste of the powers of this of the world that is to come even while we were here on earth. In Psalms 38 34:8 David encourages us to drink deeply of the pleasures of God. Experience for yourself the joyous mercies He gives to all who turn to hide themselves in. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We have been given all of the rights to live in the kingdom of heaven with all of the privileges and benefits here and now. <clears throat> Jesus taught more about the kingdom than anything else while He was here on earth. In Matthew 13:31, He says, Another parable He put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. 
let me let me tell you something. How many of you have ever seen a mustard plant that is big as a tree? None none of you have. Because it's never happened here on earth. Unless it happened in the garden. Which I don't know. It doesn't tell me that. Understand, things that happen in heaven are always going to be bigger than what they happen on earth. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, a mustard plant is going to be as big as a tree. And that also tells me that there's going to be birds in the kingdom of heaven. Right? So, what's the point of him telling me that birds are going to land in it if they're not going to be there to land in it? In Matthew 13:44, again, he, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found, man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is worth giving up everything for. And again, he talks about the same thing with the pearl. Finding a pearl of great price. It's getting rid of everything for the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 6, 9-14, we have the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Let me ask you a question. I like asking questions. If we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, then let me ask, what are we missing? What are we missing? If we are dwelling in the kingdom of God, then why are we not bringing that kingdom into our world so that God's will can be done on earth as it is in heaven? Multiple times Jesus speaks of our ability to see and hear as the Holy Spirit sees and hears. I wonder, could it be possible that maybe many, many believers who are seated with Christ in heavenly places are still blind and deaf because they brought a whole lot of baggage with them? They are still carrying all the guilt of their past failures and transgressions, of their past that Jesus picked up and He carried it off. Again, as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again by Him. 
Now, I believe one of the hardest things there is to do is not necessarily to forgive somebody else. It's to forgive ourselves. It's to forgive ourselves. But you know what the problem with that is? The bottom line for self-unforgiveness is simply pride. It's simply pride. When you are seated with Christ and you have any form of pride in your life, you know what? That seat kind of gets uncomfortable. It gets uncomfortable. And you're not able to see the beauty that's around you. You're unable to see the kingdom. And you can't hear what the king is telling you about how beautiful you are. About how lovely you are. You're not able to look up at the king and look in his eyes and see your reflection in his eyes. And see is how much he loves you. Because you're not letting go of what He's already taken. The kingdom of God is peace and joy, love, compassion, grace, and mercy. And we live, when we begin to live life here on earth as it is in heaven, then the will of God is going to be manifested here on earth as it is in heaven. In Luke 17:21, Jesus tells us that the kingdom of heaven is within you. It's within you. It's here. It's here and now. But are we living and dwelling in the kingdom? Are we partaking of the fruit of the kingdom? Are we getting our nourishment from the kingdom? Are we clothing ourselves with the clothes from the kingdom? God is raising up people who understand without a doubt that they are kingdom of God, throne room living, sons and daughters of God. And that's what you are. And that's what you have to believe about yourself. You are a kingdom dweller. You are a son or daughter of God. You have all of the rights of the kingdom. In Joel 2.23, we're going to find out why we need to be kingdom dwellers. God says that the day is coming when the former rain and the latter rain would come in the first month.
the former rain and the latter rain would all come in the first month. In other words, the planting, the growing, and the harvesting would all happen in the first month. In John 44:35, Jesus says, Look unto the fields, for they are ripe unto harvest. He's looking out over a wheat field that is ready to be harvested. If you know anything about farming, doesn't take a whole lot, but if you know anything about farming at all, you realize that there are early crops and there are late crops. And they ripen at different times. But Joel says that it's all going to happen in the first month. I believe the disciples lived in the courts of heaven with Jesus. And then Jesus tells them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And in Acts 1.8, he says, And ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses. The power of God fell in Acts chapter 2. And the fire from the throne of God fell, and the Holy Spirit fire consumed them. And they went out and turned the world upside down. That was the former ring. That was the former ring. God is raising up people all of the world who are declaring, I'm the one Jesus loved. And He's calling them to an upper room for a baptism of consuming fire so that they are prepared for the accelerated crops that are ready for harvest. In John 17, 20-23, Jesus prepared, I prayed, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in Me through their Word, that if they all may that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one with us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And listen to this. Listen closely to this. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Do you hear what I just said? You are glory deliverers. You understand? Do you, do you know that the Bible talks about how the glory of God is as bright as the sun? How bright are you? And I'm not talking up here. Hmm? How bright are you? Because He gave you His glory. You are the light of the world. Let me tell you, if your glory is like His, everybody that you, that, that's within a mile of you will see you. 
that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also may, also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. Being prepared for the harvest is all about intimacy with Christ. Everything I'm talking about today has to do with intimacy with Christ. It has nothing to do with works. You love Jesus. You allow Him to consume your heart. And everything else is automatic. Everything else will be automatic. You know, really, it's all about where we sit at the supper table. Are we going to be like John with our head on Jesus' breast? Or are we going to sit where when accused accusation comes, we say, is it I? Is it I? The call to believers is to come up. Open your eyes. Look in Jesus' eyes. See your reflection. See what God's about to do. Return to the upper room and be consumed with the fire of the Holy Spirit. People, you were born. You were born at this time in history for such a time as this. You were born to be here when once again the kingdom living life is being reestablished around the world today. We are throne room dwellers called to bring the kingdom of life of God on earth so that the will of God can be done on earth. And just in closing, let me give you just one other little tidbit of information here. I believe that God's number one desire God's number one desire is one of the simplest that there is. It is to present to His Son a bride that is without spot or wrinkle. He is looking for a hand-holding bride whose number one desire is to run with Him through the fields together, ministering His love together. Love that is one together. In Song of Solomon, the bride starts out her journey with Christ, and it's all about how much Jesus loves her. But at the end, they're running through the fields together hand in hand, ministering in the vineyards 
to the fruit that is there ready to be harvested. In John 17, Jesus prays, I would that they would be one even as the Father and I are one. The only way, the only way to be one with Jesus is through opening our eyes and seeing who we are seated by and falling in love with the one you see sitting beside you. It's all about intimacy. It's all about intimacy. The closer you get to Jesus, the closer you get to love. You see, Jesus says that we are to love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we fall in love with Jesus, really, really fall in love with Jesus, we, like John, without bragging, can say, I am the one that Jesus loves. And we can share that love as we've never shared it before. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for today. Lord, we thank You that You loved us so much that You came and You died for us. Lord, You did it so that we could be raised up with You in the heavenly places. So that we could see and hear like You. When You walked on this earth, Lord, You still walked in the courts of heaven even when You were here. You said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. Well, the only way for that to happen is if you to be in the courtroom with Him. Lord, help us as we serve You to understand that we can live in the courtroom of heaven. Thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.